0: to the gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited National Park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today we're talking about music and fly fishing in the the Smokies. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsors. (laughs) So I want you to imagine a place evocative of motor coaching, modern and vibrant with a relation feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat, accompanied by the fine wine or craft beers of this area. Imagine a place with old time music and world cultural sounds. There are no, there is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. We're at the Meadowlark Motel is actually having a, 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 a traditional mountain heritage event this weekend called Traditional Skills and Naturalist Weekend. and It's going from Friday to sa- Sunday, and they're going to talk about you know, ginseng in the mountain and granny medicine and herbs and explore the lore of the mountains and a lectures and wanderings, entertainings, uh, 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 music. Uh, 7 o'clock on music with William Ritter and some Scottish Highland heritage music for Mike Ogletree. And Saturday, there'll be wildflowers and native plants of uh, Appalachia with the tour guide, naturalist Adam Bigelow, who's on this show. We're going to have the healing powers and history of ginseng with novelist and naturalist Jim Hamilton. Uh, There's going to be medicinal herbs and granny medicine with uh, uh, herbal naturalists and uh, there's gonna be a program by Tyson Sampson acclaimed Cherokee naturalist uh, historian and lecturer there's gonna be an afternoon of woods wandering and discussions with renowned naturalist tour guide lecturer and author Abby Artemisia uh, and there's going to be a heirloom the seed discussion with acclaimed naturalist, historian, and farmer, and musician William River, who was on this show. And it's going to be an evening and more uh, on Sunday morning as you're leaving. There's going to be some gospel music and bluegrass, uh, you know, inspired uh, music. And so it's going to be a great weekend. Go, go to metalarkmotel.com, look under the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center to find out. Uh, Information about getting tickets or just come and stay at the motel and all the guests go free. Uh, Today we're talking, like I said, we're talking about music and fly fishing, and we have a great guest. Charles Humphrey III is a Grammy Award winning songwriter, producer, and musician, and owner of Lux Dumpy Toad Records. (laughs) In addition to his talents as a musician, Charles is also an expert fly fishing guide and an endurance runner and resides with his family in Asheville, North Carolina. Hello, Charles.
1: Hey, Joseph, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Cool, so
1: man, I think having me on the show. It's an honor to be here.
0: No, you know you're honoring me, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate You know, I have looked at, you, at your work and you really are uh, a tremendous, uh, you know, you have a tremendous resume, frankly. But you, but you grew up in Greenville, North Carolina, which is out in the east. I think that's where uh, ECU is, right?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, that's,
0: that's correct. And uh, and you loved ball sports and what surfing, and you attended then UNC Chapel Hill. I have to put on my
1: Duke hat now. <laughs> oh, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Sorry, right. Nobody's perfect.
0: Nobody's perfect. I got the same thing to say about you, but. <laughs> but you did you did you did study classical bass bass there so i'll give you a pass you 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 put on the sophisticated hat a little bit oh, yeah. <laughs> and international studies and you focused on economics in latin america and your plan was to open a surf out in costa rica so you had to a grammy award winning musician and living in Nashville, north carolina so my big question is why did you pick the smoky mountains
1: to live in? well the music brought me here for sure uh it's a rich cultural area and i've been playing music full-time since college and it brought me to asheville there's a lot to learn there's a lot to share there's a lot of places to perform there's a lot of inspiration in these mountains and it's also easy to get into other markets you know six to eight hours in any direction you can be in a uh, a new musical market so it's a good place to base if you're a traveling musician as well Uh but Always loved the beach, always grew up, like I say, fishing and surfing there, but I absolutely fell in love with the mountains, made it my home, you know, got into running and fishing and music, and I can't imagine living anywhere else now.
0: And for those of you listening, whether you're going to visit here, you just made a major, a major point. You're probably within this easily of getting to the mountains, right? It, it's, it's one of the natural wonders of the planet, but you can get here within a few hours in a lot of cases. Um, so Charles, you know, you, I mentioned you had, uh, uh, you have a really great resume and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but when you were a kid, were you into music? Did you uh, have your own band growing up or something like that?
1: I started music in middle school in the orchestra, mainly as a way to get out of class and, (laughs) uh, started on violin and transitioned to the upright bass, uh, didn't play in high school because I was more into sports. And then my freshman year of college, first week I was there, I had this dream that I was in Carnegie Hall. And my buddy Pearl, who we used to cut up with on the upright bass bass section in middle school, was showing me how to play the upright bass. And I started remembering all these things I'd learned years ago. It was like a life-changing dream. The very next day, I went out and signed up for classical bass lessons just on my own at the university. And then it turns out, you know, several years later, one of my uh, first gigs – Touring around um, with Steve Martin, we actually got to play Carnegie Hall. So it was a dream come true. I thought that was kind of cool. It is nice when your childhood dreams get to come true. Um, what, what, uh, what as, 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 as far as growing up with music, though, you know, I was around a lot of country music from my grandfather, who had an extensive music collection, and then and my dad, and I have a younger sister. And if we were misbehaving in the car, the punishment was he'd put on Ernest Tubb's "Waltz Across Texas" because we hated it, <laughs> and that was our punishment. But I uh, kind of learned to love that old song. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, you, you in college, you 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 did form some friends, relationships with friends. You end up creating a, a you know your your acclaimed band, the the Steep Canyon Rangers, and you were with it for years um and you but you all started that in college i mean that's sort of interesting for you to become.
1: did you feel like you were a professional museum in college uh, musician in college i think a lot of bands that uh, start out in college start out as friends and have a good launch pad because people come from different backgrounds and people are looking for things to do you know i think that's a, a classic story mm-hmm. um, but i've really had to work at my craft of music and songwriting especially to to hone it a place and put in your time and travel and learn the business side of things as well as the, the performance to truly become a professional but it's always been fun and you know if you're doing something you love they say you never work a day in your life yeah but
0: then you know then you decided to uh go out and explore your own your own creativity in different venues um and that must have been a difficult decision to you know that's like a That's like a life transition, right? So you went out and uh, a thing that was in your youth, and then you you started approaching middle age. Let's not say you were middle age, approaching it, and um, and you uh, and you, you you really you know went out and developed other creative venues, other things that you're
1: doing. Was it difficult to make that transition for you? Uh, well, Songs from the Road Band started in 2004 as a recording project based around myself, Mark Shimmick, and Sam Horton, who are still in the band and kind of been the core. And we've always supplemented it with friends and other local all-stars to put out. It started as a recording band where we would just record songs and share them to the world. And then about five or six years ago, we had the opportunity to put the band on the road full-time. So we did that. And it's been very rewarding. In 2019, we played over 200 shows in one year. We were really beaten down the road. And then as everyone knows, COVID hit and that put the brakes on everything. And that was a time of transition for me. I'd, I'd always songwrit and a lot of it was virtual, but during that time, I think I wrote like 140 songs, just all co-written with other people from, from right here where I'm sitting now, just like this on a Zoom meeting. And that also opened up the opportunity to become a professional fishing guide, which is something I'd always pursued as a hobby before. So there were some, uh, those were some of the blessings of the strange times we've been coming through recently. So, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you a question about
0: the name of the band. I'm I'm always fascinated by names. Um, And you called it, uh, you guys called it songs from the road band instead of a road band. Yeah, you
1: know, it's an interesting story. The first record was just called Songs from the Road because they were songs that I'd written while traveling the road. And then we kept making records. So it kind of became Songs from the Road Band by default. And then we would title the different records. So I don't think I ever truly got a chance to just sit down and think of, hey, um, what really cool band name would make this band extremely popular if nobody's ever heard of it. So (laughs) we might have missed the boat on that (laughs) opportunity, but that's where the name came from.
0: Well, it's interesting because you just mentioned you went on the road 200 times, right? So you, you sort of named your band, the brand that you are living. It's like an authentic, you're like an authentic brand, right? Yes,
1: we are the, the troubadours. We have probably slept on your couch or traveled <laughs> in your van or bus or train or plane. Yeah. And well, but, it's an inspiring way of life it's a hard way of life i don't think i ever want to go back to doing that many shows a year yeah now we're yeah. kind of stepping back and try to you know stay relevant in certain markets work on the records and play the festivals and and bigger venues well cool so um we're going to take a break
0: right now when we come back we we'll want to talk more about your music and then we'll get into that flight
1: yeah man let's do it sounds good talk about
0: Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Charles Humphrey III. So Charles, um, I was reading on your website, and there was a quote that said that your your band, Songs from the Road Band, is considered the
1: epitome of a newgrass band. So tell me, what is newgrass? Man, you know, that's an interesting question, Uh, I guess. Well, bluegrass is a relatively new form of music started in 1946 with Bill Monroe and the other first generation pioneers like the Stanley brothers and uh, Earl Scruggs. And there was a band that came along Newgrass revival and they seemed a little, a little different, a little more aggressive style, played a lot of covers and, you know, they, they were considered just, you know, for the time, just groundbreaking and have always been one of my favorite bands still are. And you go back and listen to that stuff now and it's almost like it sounds traditional compared to some of the new stuff that's coming out. I mean, you've got pioneers like Green Sky Bluegrass and Billy Strings that are using acoustic instruments, but basically playing rock and roll and turning people on to bluegrass that have never even heard of the genre, which is is good for everyone. You know, the, the rising tide raises all the boats and we kind of fall somewhere in between there. We've got a deep respect for traditional music and incorporate it into our sound as well as uh, bringing in outside of music and doing it in a style. And our records have typically been more traditional than the live show. Sometimes in the live show, we'll incorporate big lights and our favorite crowd to play for are just people that love music, not people that are there to see 30 bands that are, all considered the same brand of music which is fine too so i guess it's based around the songwriting and the harmony singing and the impro- improvised solos within the format of the song so i i don't know what's new grass and what's old grass but you know we're trying to bring something new to it and keep the music alive basically spread joy through music make people happy let them forget about their everyday worries and when they're spending their hard-earned money to see some live music. I, I love that.
0: I mean, you know, uh, I think that the essence is, uh, you know, is the, there's a joy in bluegrass that is, you know, catching. You know, at the motel we play, when people come in, there's bluegrass playing, and, you know, you, you see people just light up with it.
1: That is a great spot to metal is right there on the river in Maggie Valley it's it's a really neat spot cool so
0: you know i've had a, a number of bluegrass musicians come through here and um you know one or two of them mentioned that you know the the that there's uh there's a real deep respect for tradition but sometimes it becomes also uh hard and fast rule somebody actually used the phrase there's a bluegrass mafia out there that won't you let won't let you introduce new things do you find that sometimes some of the stuff that you guys want to do new is hard to introduce
1: well not anymore i mean i've been doing this for 25 years and you know played upright bass for 20 of that now i'm playing electric bass and i don't feel like i have to prove anything to anybody but i will tell you this when i was a young man i fought like hell to get into that traditional scene once I got there, I felt like hell to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you fought to get into your own prison. I was, I was just fishing with my good buddy, uh, David Long, yesterday. And he was like, Charles, you remember the first time we met? I was like, not really. Tell me. Remind me. And he said, we were at this festival. I was playing with the Wildwood Valley boys. And uh, the Stanley brothers were there. Jim and Jesse were there. Ralph Stanley was there. I was like, "Man, that's awesome!" I've forgotten all about that. And I, we, we—I told him that line, and he had about the same reaction as you. <laughs> well, no, it's true. I think
0: that a lot of times, you know, when you're young, you really work to get into acceptance in a certain area, and then all of a sudden, you realize, "Boy, it's constraining me from what I really want to do." Wow. Yeah.
1: So. I'm glad you. I'm
0: glad you managed to to make your way out
1: because you know, you're doing some great work now. Well, you know, we like to have a foot in the, in all places.
0: Yeah. So you, you, know I mean, you're doing all this stuff, touring, writing, set, you know, you went, uh, you know, all that uh, You wrongs, right? Uh, I know you did a lot of the important songs in the past that you, that you've been known for. Um, you also started a record label What does lux dumpy toad records uh, represent and what's the name stand for
1: yeah that's a good question um another one of those situations where maybe not enough time was put into selecting the name um, <laughs> well i had the first songs from the road band record coming out and it was about to be released and i was having to register all the songs and i didn't have time to vet the names there's a kind of a timeline with when you're choosing your publishing company names where you turn in what your top choices are and if it's already taken you didn't get it and i was pretty sure that name hadn't been taken (laughs) it was just some strange (laughs) saying my best friend from childhood had um made up one night when i was visiting him in wilmington (laughs) north carolina and i was like I have no idea what that means, but it's kind of fun to say. I was like, nobody else has ever thought of this. I'm going to put this out as the uh, publishing company, which became the record label for uh, a lot of independent releases. And that's the story behind the name. Oh, right. Well, it's it's as good as any, right? Yeah.
0: Sometimes the over-intellectualizing names make them unfun. <laughs> uh, so where where you're located in Asheville?
1: live right here in West Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. i got two, two children, uh, spent a lot of time in Brevard, North Carolina. And then with the fishing, I'm traveling a whole lot with uh, High Trout is the name of the company I work with. And we guide in North Georgia, Western North Carolina, and Eastern Tennessee. So there's a lot of getting up at 5 a.m. and driving two or three hours to be on the river by sunrise and fishing all day and driving back. But boy, do I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean... Uh life with diverse, diverse, diverse passions is I think um, is really, you know, makes the life that you want to lead because, you know, can you can have some success, success in multiple endeavors and some of them are big successes, but some are successes for yourself. And those are Absolutely. just as important. Absolutely. Is there any success that you've had just for yourself? You know, related to say fishing that you you're, you know, that you don't talk about a lot that you really feel proud of.
1: Well, I've taken a lot of leaps of faith. Um, I, a few years ago, I bought a saltwater boat and fished a lot in Oriental North Carolina and, and enjoyed doing stuff like that for old drum and black drum and speckled trout and um, flounder and all kinds of stuff. And really made some good friends over at Endurance Seafood, the Bruno family. They're commercial fishermen in the area. And he kind of showed me how to tie my own, hang my own net and do some net fishing and a record with a recreational license and just trying to it came from a love of the area and wanting to learn about the fishing industry there and then you know going from uh primarily 99% euro nymphing fly fishing style to undertaking the drift boat and guiding from the boat and how people float. Uh you know that was a leap of faith too and I really enjoyed that. So I think whenever I try something new that I don't know about, I kind of go all in on it and just try to learn as much as I can, spend as much time about it. And then when you, when it comes kind of second nature, you start to feel comfortable with it. I think that's a personal success. Mm. Is there, um,
0: do you find, you know, fly fishing in a way is almost meditative and you're on the river by yourself. And then I, I imagine that songwriting most of the time is sort of a meditative by yourself. Is there, is there a relationship that you find? Is there a way of thinking?
1: Um, Well, I guess you can do both by yourself, but I actually prefer to do both with other people. I mean, I love fishing with other people. I have as much fun as watching somebody who's just learning or someone catch a personal best fish. Mm -hmm. Just watching them meet one of their goals as I do doing it myself because I kind of get to fish all the time. So I I love seeing other people do it. And when it comes to songwriting, I really like to co-write because you've got this camaraderie kind of like you and I are doing here. We're doing this show. We're working off each other. We're going off our first impressions and so you're creating something out of nothing and you've got more first impressions to filter and shape into a song that you both can be proud of so you know there's there may be the guy out there who only fishes by himself and only uses one dry fly and only matches the hatch and you know whatever but there's also people that like to fish together so i think you can get out of it what you put into it or shape it to what you want it to be
0: cool you know, that reminds me. There was a big tick- thing where there was a guy that was a guy in, in somewhere in the South who asked that he couldn't find a, uh, somebody to go fishing with him, and, and it, he got an overwhelming response from guys all over the South to be his fishing buddy, and they didn't care that he was gay. So it was a really heartwarming thing to see, you know, and, and counter counter to what uh, you know the, sometimes the southern stereotype is. Um, you know, because it seems that you know fishing crosses all boundaries and
1: all. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think fishing and music brings people together in general. Yeah. Just like you say, crossing boundaries or however you want to look at it, different lifestyles, kind of the same thing. that experience I've had with the ultra running too. You yeah, know, you, know, you have people going out there running these, you know, marathons, fifty k, fifty miler events, hundred miler events, and they come from all walks of life. You know, all just nobody's alike, but they have this one thing in common, which is ultra running. And they're usually pretty decent people because they have at least enough discipline to train their body to be able to accomplish a goal like that. And once you get out there and meet them for the first time and you're suffering together, you have this like instant bond and you just make all these great friends from different walks of life. And that's another great thing about the Smoky Mountains in this area that just like there are thousands of miles of of great trout streams of all varieties of fishing and styles of trout there's equally as many mountain trails and places to run and explore
0: so i i'm, I'm sensing the common theme you 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 love co-creation all right and
1: uh <laughs> you know so cool who's who's your favorite co-writers um jim lauderdale i'm sure people have heard of him uh, the king of broken hearts and uh, I write with a lot of a guy in Nashville, Marty Dotson. We've had some success. We've got a, he and Nick Dauphiné wrote, and I wrote a song that's been that number one for five weeks in a row now on the Bluegrass Today Grassicana chart. It's a single that'll be out on the upcoming record from Songs from the Road Band titled Amarillo Blue. Um, Sean Camp, Charlie Chamberlain, Phil Barker, uh, Tom Utes. Uh, I'm, i am there's so many people I write with. I'm sure I'm leaving some names out, but Well who haven't you written with that wrote with that you want to write with? Oh man, that's a good question. You know, I kinda wanna write with whoever who sells a lot of records.
0: <laughs> Me too. Credit. I want to write I'll let them do all the writing and I'll
1: take credit. <laughs> that's the ticket. That's the ticket, man. I'll tell your listeners right now, if you want to get cuts, write with the artist. Yeah. Cool. Secret.
0: That's a secret. All right, when we come back, let's explore more about your fishing and your long-distance endurance stuff, which are
1: all both incredible endeavors. Sounds good. Let's do it.
0: Howdy. this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the gateway to the smokies podcast and my guest Charles Humphrey the third so Charles I, I I would be remiss not to mention that uh, you're planning along with Bob plot who is uh, the, the general manager of the metal arck Smoky Mountain Heritage Center uh, an exciting new songwriter camp
1: uh, we, at, we at, are yeah. yeah Bob and I've been talking a lot about that and we we're very excited about it he has he shares an enthusiasm for all things um, relating to the culture of Western North Carolina and loves songwriting. And so I jumped at the opportunity to host an event in such a beautiful place where you've got the built-in lodging and venue and everything. And we I think that's going to happen in the spring, potentially April. And there's a good chance that you'll see myself and some other people like potentially Jim Lauderdale, Sean Camp, and we'll bring in. A handful of writers and lodge them and feed them and and work with them and share stories and show them how the recording process works talk about song pitching jam together do you know um, guitar swaps and it's going to be a really neat opportunity for people that love the craft of songwriting
0: cool and i think you, you said you might be setting up a little studio
1: to do some put put together something while they're there or? Yeah, you know, I think it's important for these people to see the process of how a work tape or a demo tape might be made. So we'll definitely let everybody get a taste of that as well. And you know, I'm sure there'll be some songs born out of um, being at the camp and the writers that are there, which is always exciting.
0: Now, do you think it's mostly just for uh, real aspiring uh, uh, songwriters, or would you know serious fans, aficionados,
1: be? Man, I, I, I think any level would be welcome, you know, just with the range of talent we have there. Obviously, everyone could get something out of it, but, you know, it could just be like, I don't know. To me, it would be like going to Disney World if I was a songwriter, you know, to yeah. work with people of that caliber in such a neat location. I mean, it could be a total beginner or it could be an accomplished songwriter that, you know, is looking for a getaway and wants to be around some great people and create some music. No, I think that being involved in the
0: creative process, even if you don't actually have professional ambitions is uh, the one of the most beautiful experiences you can have um, in terms of, uh, you know, finding some life experiences. Absolutely.
1: People that love yeah. music or want to, want to learn how to write or just curious about it. I mean, everybody's got a story. Every. Everybody's got inspiration. Everybody could have input. And when you're co-writing, you know, you draw on the strengths of your other writers. And it may be somebody that has, you know, got 50 number one hits, or it may be somebody it's their first time, but they've got a great story about their grandma or grandpa, and it could turn into a great song
0: cool and you know we have a nice little uh nice little trout stream right there uh, on the property called the john yeah, man stream.
1: i saw that i saw that it is a nice little trout stream it's a
0: mountain heritage storm so maybe you can uh the, the, one of the breaks could be taking some people out there and doing some fly fishing right <laughs> absolutely that is a wonderful area of the country to fly fish in oh yeah so you have actually be- you've mentioned it before but you've become quite an expert i mean people talk about it you're an expert in fly fishing and actually, in guided tours around uh, North Carolina,
1: how did how did you what what, what spurred that decision? Well, uh, Dan Sasser, who started High Trout Guides, contacted me on the recommendation of a mutual friend, and that is a guide and fly shop owner in Western North Carolina. And we hit it off right off the bat. You know, we really got along, really shared a passion. And the common vision of not just, you know, running a fishing business, but making it an experience and focusing on education and really, you know, making it something special for the people that come out there, you know, and it's just been a blessing to work with him and work with somebody that, that has, that is so enthusiastic about fishing and so knowledgeable and they want to teach the Euro style of fishing, which some people call it tight line nymphing or contact nymphing. And basically you're not making big casts like Brad Pitt and a river runs through it. You've got a a long lightweight rod with thin line, hardly indicator and small bugs. And you're working on getting a perfect dead drift to fool these fish, these huge fish. You know, they probably eat two or 300 of these tiny, tiny bugs all year round. And by not using corks and bobbers and all this other stuff, you're not scaring them I and mean, you're kind of dissecting the river and then you hook into these beautiful fish and have a chance to, to land them properly. We teach people how to do that and then how to handle them and healthily release them to be caught another day. And it's well, what's a, what's a,
0: what's a big for trout in, uh, in these, these, uh, these uh, trout streams and the mountains.
1: Well, it's interesting, and we do everything. You know, some people want to go up into the mountains and catch um, wild fish or, you know, fish that have been born in the river, and they love these, the colors of the beautiful rainbows and brookies and browns, which can be smaller fish, but just as rewarding because, you know, they were born in the wild and are beautiful colors and and then there's areas of the rivers that are stocked with, um, massive fish. And there's some areas that are wild fisheries. And then there's some areas that are privately managed waters. And so we'll do whatever the client wants to do. And I love it all. So I don't want to offend yeah. any group of fishermen by saying one size fish, one style of fishing, one, you know, this or that is better than the other. Cause we love yeah. it all. We'll do whatever they want to do, but well, I do have an affinity for fishing in North Georgia which is some of the, the private managed waters and the fish are very large, they're huge. And it's an opportunity for someone who's never caught a large trout to go out there and learn how to properly land a fish of a lifetime on lightweight tackle. Uh-huh. And and you'll get to do it a lot the whole day long. So that way, you know, right. if you're back in your wild stream and you hook the biggest fish you've ever caught, you'll know how to land them and not just break them yeah. off. And it's-, it's well, so you know,
0: at the jonathan creek at the middle the lake, i caught a 22 inch, 22 inch fish uh rainbow once so that, that was huge
1: that was, in that little creek nice. that was big it was, yeah, it was
0: it, you know it's an interesting creek it gets
1: stocked but it also has great
0: little brown trout
1: in there that are natural right the, yeah. uh, i've been fishing a lot over in eastern tennessee yeah. and because it's so hot now in western north carolina you don't want to fish in temperatures or areas where the fish are going to get stressed out from catching them and the water being too low, the temperature being too high. So we've been fishing a lot uh, in dam released waters over in Tennessee where the water stays cold year round. Yeah, And that's another okay. advantage of being able to get people on the boat too, is you can fish in the middle of the summer where the waters are still fishing well and they're healthy. And you're not going to hurt the fish.
0: Now you're planning on uh, maybe doing a fly
1: fishing camp over at the at the, the middle we of are. we're going to do cool. that we're going to work with bob plot and have high trout involved and we're going to do um some areas of education where we teach all things fly fishing and then we're going to take the people and go out and put them on the water and, and just have a, a big old time catching fish and telling lies and maybe have some uh some music and videos or something wind up the night campfire maybe it's that's going to be another great event uh, for the community for people that are interested in fly fishing. Right.
0: So how do people find more about this trout uh, these trout uh, adventures that you take people on?
1: dot trout.com where uh, you can contact the company through the website, through Instagram, through Facebook. You can also contact me directly. All the information and rates with the exception of private water fees are on the website. And we, we would love to um, entertain you. Like we have guaranteed adventure, guaranteed education. And I like to say a high chance of catching quality fish, but you know, you can't control the weather and you can't control the bite. Well, I want to talk
0: finally about this. So I want to talk about this. I read, I want, I want to talk about this. I read that you were inspired by Christopher McDougall's bestseller, born to run. And then you've now become a yeah, massive endurance drummer. What was it about that book then? What, and what do you do?
1: I mean, I've, I've got into it totally by mistake. I picked that book up into the in the airport and it changed my life. I, you know, it's about his experience running with this tribe of natural-born runners down in Mexico. And they run barefooted. So I bought these toe shoes and went out and ran like seven or nine miles. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do a marathon. I could never do that. Well, eventually I found out that if you're running around here, toe shoes, aren't going to cut it because there's a lot of rocks. So I got a different (laughs) pair of shoes. I did a marathon and I thought I was going to finish in like five hours or something, ended up doing it in like three and a half. I had no idea. And so I did another one and I had to go faster than the first one. And after the second one, I was like, hold on a second. This running fast stuff is for the birds. I'm never doing this. I want to see how far I can go, not how fast I can go. So I went from marathon to 50 K to 50 mile or to 24 hour race to hundred miler, eventually got in the lottery of the Western States endurance run, which is kind of like the super bowl of ultra running. They have, um, a certain number of pro spots and then a, a small amount of people that get in by raffle and you run from Squall Valley to Auburn, California through the Sierra Nevada mountains. And it's a hundred miles. The year I did it, the first it was over 100 degrees the whole way, and the first 16 miles of it was snow. It was a very good uh, challenge, to say the least. We're going along and jumping in these rivers just to keep our body temperature down, which, of course, leads to your shorts rubbing on your legs and all kinds of chafing and crazy stuff. But I, I managed to make it through, and that was one of the highlights of my running career, Um The the other thing I like about the running is uh, we mentioned touched on it before was the community, but we've been able to give back to the community a little bit. Like I'm the race director for a, a 50 K ultra marathon that happens in Brevard, North Carolina, and it benefits benefits the Aid foundation, which is the nonprofit of Oscar blues. And they do a lot of things like trail maintenance, flood relief tunes, ambassadors, the band and I. Get help them get instruments to kids in schools that need them, and we have not done the hullabaloo 50k the past two years because the Forest Service has not been doing permits out of safety concerns. But we hope that it, it'll be back in November of
0: 2022. Wow. Well, how do you how do you find that internal? I mean, what what, what is the training like? How do you how do you manage to do that?
1: You run a lot. Um, the biggest thing without, you know, just talking too much is if you're going to train for a long distance, you don't have to go out and run that distance before you just have to simulate what it feels like to run that deep in the race. So if I was going to train for something crazy like that, a hundred mile or even more, a lot of the stuff I'd done wasn't even events. It was just kind of local routes that local runners like to do. The key is to do a back-to-back run where say you'll go out and run 20 some miles and then the next day go out and do the second, the same amount. And that second day, you're running on very tired legs, and that simulates what it's like to run after you've run 60, 70, 80, or 90 miles. And once you can train your body to operate in those conditions, then it's just a matter of staying hydrated and fueled. And you just, if you can, you know, not get sick, you can just keep going. It's not like you get exponentially more tired. And what's
0: what's the best trail in, in the Smoky Mountains for somebody wanting to do a long run?
1: My favorite Western North Carolina running adventure is something that was started by Adam Hill and he calls it the Pitchell. It's when you run from Mount Pisgah to Mount Mitchell and you just take the mountains, to sea trail, the whole way, it's 68 miles and it is a beast of a run. I mean, it really is a challenge and you know, it's, it's kind of an accomplishment if you live in this area as a runner to say that you've completed that route in one effort and that's that's my favorite probably one of my favorite ones around here but there are thousands there literally are so many great places to run
0: cool well when we come back i want to finish up a little bit about you and then and things you're doing in the future thanks joseph Howdy. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my esteemed guest Charles Humphrey the Third. So Charles, before I go too much further, I, this one I saw this little, uh, you know, almost like an aside on your resume that says <laughs> you're, you're an honorary Kentucky Colonel. How did that happen? That's like a really great, uh, great uh, thing.
1: Yeah, man, that was a, that was a nice little feather to have in the hat. I was traveling with a group of musicians down on the Delta Queen Riverboat and I met a horse guy. He gives talks about horse racing. He bets on horses. I've been to the Kentucky Derby with him. His name was Jim Claypool. And we evidently, we made a great impression on him that week. And he told the governor that these guys had to be Kentucky colonels. So we all got asked to be Kentucky colonels based on our time on the Delta queen river boat we spent with him and it has been a lifelong friendship and, you know, going to the Kentucky Derby and being a part of that was a a great experience as well. So it just, it just happened out of chance and out of luck, just, just making friends, you know, a lot of things, a lot of time in life life, is just, it's just, just, I mean, it really is. It's kind of like who, who, you know, And (laughs) so You know, get out there, talk to people, be a good person, be a nice person, give back to the community and work hard. Good things will happen. So, you know, this show is a a little bit of a travelogue. So I mentioned
0: this earlier and you live in West Asheville, which I think is an interesting place. Yes, it's it's changed a lot. I'd love to ask you, it's become very, it's very, it's got, it's got a restaurant there I love called Jargon, which, you know, it has yeah. uh, some excellent food. It's got yeah, it's food. Right Coke down the street. Dip. Yeah. So if, I like to ask, what is a day, a di- day itinerary? And we don't have a lot of time, but it, you know, what, what, where would you send somebody to breakfast in West Asheville?
1: Oh, you'd either have to go to Sunny Point Cafe or Biscuit Head. That's Oh, cool. you got them both. I love those places. That's yeah. a toss up, yeah. But you know, it really, um, the line's gonna probably be too long at both. Yeah. And so you would have to go somewhere else, which
0: there's now been, in West Asheville an early girl, which has got a pretty good, and they don't have
1: a big line yet. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's hard to go wrong. Those are the two most popular ones,
0: though.
1: Yeah. Um, and then what do you do in West Asheville during the morning? Well, most of my mornings are are wake up before the sun comes up and leaving West Asheville.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go out, go out somewhere, right? Yeah,
1: driving to Tennessee, driving to Maggie Valley, driving to Tuckasegee, driving to Brevard, driving to to. It's a great place to get to a lot of things. Yeah, Um, but I I I do live here and I do have children. My son and I really like to go to the Retrocade which is a pinball arcade and video games he really he really enjoys that which is kind of a neat thing to have in the neighborhood and where would you take him lunch then Uh, where would he go to lunch well i like i like the wings at westville pub pretty good pizza mine's got a good salad i like um the whale is a nice bottle shop a friend of mine owns that place um, it's right next door to Zia Taqueria, which is a nice Mexican place. Um,
0: yeah, so that's good. Know. You give him some good options. How about the afternoon? What would you What would you What would you spend the afternoon with your son?
1: Mm, you might go tubing down the French Broad River, or go over to Carrier Park and uh, play on the playground. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe he's really into the video games, though. And then you drop your son off to, to you know, the grandma
0: or whatever, and now you're your going to go out no, with he wants to, he'll,
1: he'll want to go to Orbit's DVD. It's uh, like a comic book <laughs> video rental shop. He, uh, he loves that place. It's a really cool store.
0: And now you drop the son off with the grandma or the babysitter or whatever, and you and your wife go out
1: for a dinner. Where do you take her? Uh, Well, my girlfriend also is a big fan of Jargon. Girlfriend, likes, yeah. Sorry, yeah. He likes the charcuterie plate there. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, where else do we go? Uh, Bull and Beggar is nice. I think we just got a gift certificate. For, oh yeah, for uh, Curate in Asheville. Um, but we cook cook a lot at the house too. Um, yeah, Asheville's amazing. The culinary experiences here are really great.
0: And then the evening places are just too many to, to 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 mention, right? In terms of where to go in the evening.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. for like live music and stuff like that. We've got yeah. I've always been here, like the Grey Eagle and Asheville Music Hall, and yeah, you know, there's just you, the best thing to do is get the local paper and see if there's something yeah. going on you, you're interested in and give it a shot. So, um, so
0: what's in your future? I mean, what plans do you have? You, I guess you got a new album maybe coming out. What what, what else? We is- do,
1: yeah. We've released three singles off of it so far. Hope to have the record finished uh, by the first quarter of next year the fall fishing season is about to fire back up, which is October and November. So we're taking a lot of reservations for the private water. And then all the other days will be filled up with, um, public water, uh, wade and float trips. i um, going to go do some fishing for old drum in September. Going to go to the beach for a week in Thanksgiving and fish on the coast with some family. And then, you know, we kind of get into the holidays, but, I'm so ready for the fall. The leaves yeah. are starting to change. It's just a little bit warm. It's like just hanging on a little. Yeah. I was still getting 85, 90, where I'm ready for, you know, 75, 80. I'd take yeah. that anything. day. I'm I very know. excited about the fall. It's just going to be great, great fishing. The band's got some neat things coming up. We host a festival in Johnson City called Stonefly Fest. That's October 8th and 9th. And just today, we announced Asheville Wintergrass, which we host. It's at One World Brewing West, and that's the first weekend in December, the fourth and fifth, I believe. It's Society Sunday. It'll be us performing with special guests Jim Lauderdale and Andy Buckner. But if you visit SongsFromTheRoadBand dot com, you I can do. see all the musical events. But there are some things we're very excited about. We're going to kind of close the year out strong and look forward to the releasing the new record next year. Cool. And how do they follow? How do
0: people follow you? What, what, what did they get? Uh, where's the best way?
1: Well, if you can find my name, Charles Humphrey the 3rd, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. You can find the band at songsfromtheroadband.com. You can find the fishing company at hightrout.com. I'm pretty easy to find, honestly. People can kind of figure out where I'm going to be throughout the the band schedule and the fishing, so it's no secret. I'm not hiding out for anybody. All right.
0: Well, you know, Charles, this has been one of the most fun interviews I've had. I've enjoyed this. Thanks for having me on,
1: Joseph. I really appreciate it. It's been a Uh, pleasure talking to you. I can't uh, can't believe we've been on here for an hour. It seems like we've just been talking for about five or ten minutes. It's good. It's
0: been a very good conversation. So thank you. Um, Shout out! um, This this, uh, podcast is also sponsored by Smokey's Adventure. Smokey's plural, adventure, singular.com. And it's an outdoor, uh, it focuses on outdoor recreation, along with music and entertainment. And it provides information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. The goal of that site is to become the information portal on the Smoky Mountains. If you need maps, maps, you need guides. If you need information on exploring the Smoky Mountain area, that's the place to go. Uh, We are part of the talkradio.nyc network, which is a network that provides uh, a lot of live podcasts about various subjects the one after this explores the city of new york where i sp- i split time between north carolina and new york and it's you know so it's a great podcast to balance your 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 uh, urban uh, your urban with your rural areas uh and get a full picture of life in these united states which is the one place to live uh thank you all for being here next week we'll have aaron mahoney on the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, who is part of a fourth generation of restaurateurs in the, in, the, in, the, in North Carolina, um, with a fabulous family restaurant that's pretty famous in the area. And she'll talk about the restaurant business and food business in North Carolina. Uh, you can find more about this podcast at gatewaytothesmokies.fun or facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week at uh, from uh, six to seven on talkradio.nyc on Tuesday night. Thank you. And thank you, Charles.
1: Thanks, Joseph. See you later.